After weeks of speculation, the details of the AUKUS nuclear submarines have been revealed. It is one of the most ambitious and most expensive projects we've ever embarked upon, with the cost estimated to reach up to $368 billion over the next three decades. The agreement will run across multiple prime ministers and presidents, will require workforces that currently don't exist to build and cruise ships that are yet to be designed. Joining me now is George Brandis, the former High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, and Joe Hockey, the former Ambassador to the United States. Welcome to both of you to RM Breakfast. Good morning, Patricia. Morning, PK. George Brandis, beginning with you, Australia will buy uh, three American-made Virginia-class submarines before building a new generation UK-designed boat. How integral is is British involvement for Australia in this deal? Well, uh, across the the entire lifespan of the deal, it's obviously uh, deeply integral because most of the uh, vessels will be the British-designed vessels built by um, the British um, um, manufacturer BAE um, in Adelaide, but obviously drawing from the expertise that they have developed as the uh, constructor of Britain's existing nuclear uh, um, uh, nuclear-powered submarine fleet uh, in the north of England. Joe Hockey, this locks us in with the United States for decades to come. Is there a risk as the smaller partner in this deal, we'll just have to do what the US tells us when it comes to future wartime engagements? Well, we're already fully integrated with the United States military and arguably have been uh, for more than 100 years. We're the only country in the world that has fought side by side with them in every major battle for the last 100 years. And already today, uh, a lot of our Navy has the Aegis Combat System, which is an American combat system. Our current Collins-class submarines use American torpedoes. We're the only nation in the world that has the same torpedoes as the Virginia-class subs today. And, uh, and in, in, every, in every major way, in communication systems and integration, we, we already have Um, American technology and we're integrated with American systems. So there's nothing new here in that regard. What's new is that as a result of China's aggression over the last 10 years, uh, the Australian people have moved from opposing nuclear-powered submarines to accepting nuclear-powered submarines. And most importantly, the United States, as a result of China's aggression, have decided to share the technology that previously that they had always refused to share. There was a lot of fears about a capability gap and that appears to have been dealt with by um, this deal for us for us to be able to buy three or up to five Virginia-class subs. Just staying with you, Joe Hockey, it still is subject to Congress and there is obviously a presidential election that looms and uh, the front-runner for the Republican nomination is Donald Trump. How do we know that they will honour this this agreement? Well, for a start, uh, it's an operational collaboration. Uh, it is in America's interest that this, uh, this investment occur. We will be contributing to an expansion of the Virginia-class submarine uh, construction facilities in the US, uh, but also the goodwill towards Australia, because we have been there for more than 100 years, is exceptional. Uh, the United States hasn't done this with anyone else. And they're doing it with us for two reasons. 
one, because they trust us, and that trust goes beyond politics. I mean, the goodwill of an individual president did not provide us with any opportunity to get nuclear technology previously, no matter what the relationship was between George Bush and John Howard or or Bill Clinton and, and, and anyone else. It, 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 we never got the opportunity to do that because at an operational level, the United States military was determined that the technology remain in the hands of the US military. That has changed and that has changed because they have become aware of the significant threat of China and they want to work with us to mitigate that threat. Bipartisanship both here and overseas in these other two nations are key to success. George Brandis, you were High Commissioner when AUKUS was announced. What level of support is there across party lines in the UK for this? Um, it is. It does have bipartisan support in the United Kingdom. It has very, very enthusiastic support from the existing Conservative government. But uh, by coincidence, um, only a couple of days after AUKUS was announced, uh, the Labor Party conference took place. Uh, and there was some criticism among the Labor Party activists at the Labor Party conference of AUKUS, based, I think, on a misunderstanding in those early days that these would have been nuclear-armed submarines. But I had meetings with the then uh, Shadow Foreign Secretary, Lisa Nandy, and the then, uh, and, and the, the then and current uh, Shadow Defence Secretary, John Healy, both of whom assured me that in the event of a Labor government being elected in the United Kingdom, their next election is in 2024, uh, a Labor government would uh, be as committed to AUKUS as the current Conservative government is. Now, there's another dimension, uh, there's a, an additional incentive in Britain which is not so much part of the picture in the United States, and that is they don't need as to produce as many submarines as the Americans need to produce, but they want to maintain uh, their submarine construction base at Barrow uh, in the north of England and their capability. So... For them, although the submarines are to be built in Adelaide, there will be a large dimension of work in the United Kingdom as well when we come to the AUKUS submarines. So this gives their submarine program a future, a future now based in two continents, in, in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, and in Australia. We can't have this conversation without uh, discussing the enormous cost. Joe Hockey, this is huge. The estimates that uh, have now been publicly released are between 268 to $368 billion over 30 years. The, uh, the pressure on the budget is already huge, as we know. How difficult is this going to be to deliver? You're a former treasurer as well. Um, how are we going to pay for it? Well, we have no choice. We have no choice. When it comes to defending national security, uh, you have to allocate a certain amount of money. We increased it when we came into government in 2013. But this is a dramatic uh, increase now, well, isn't it? Well, I don't know that it is, actually, because, you know, whenever these figures are rolled out, they're, they're rolled out over how many decades? Three, four decades? Yeah, it's three I mean, decades. We can, right. we can roll it out over 100 years. I mean, the life of a Virginia-class sub is 35 years. And if you're going to have a rolling uh, submarine capacity, let's go 100 years, let's go 200 years. I mean, it's in, in that sense, um, you know, what you've got to look at is the real cost. So a Virginia-class sub costs around $4 billion to buy. 
uh, a new new Virginia class up, and uh, and and for argument's sake, let's say we're having ten of those. That's forty billion dollars. Well, what's the rest of the money going on? Well, it's all the sustainment. It's the it's the crew. Each individual crew member, and bear in mind, like a Virginia class sub has 135 crew. They're each paid a minimum of 130,000 US dollars. So nearly 200,000 Aussie, 180,000 Aussie. It, it, it all comes down to the training and the crew. And, and for every, every submarine, you would have five to six, ex, a multiple of five to six of the crew just to sustain the submarine. So submarines are incredibly expensive because they're incredibly complicated and they're unbelievably lethal. Now, the cost, and I know as a former treasurer this is going to shock you, PK, and (laughs) your listeners, but the cost of failure is far greater than the cost of investment. And the cost of failure is directly related to the fact that we now export natural gas from a number of ports around the coastline in Australia, which we didn't do 20 years ago. And we have vulnerabilities that affect our economy today that did not exist 20 years ago. So the investment is going to deliver a much bigger return because of the deterrence value associated with these submarines. Okay, so Joe Hockey, you described it as having no choice. George Brandis, do you see it in a similar way? And how do you, how do you assess the cost, particularly... Also, if you look at the history of, of these defence projects, they are constantly, well, bungled and there are cost blowouts. Well, that has been the case with a lot of defence projects in Australia as well. But I think one of the important considerations here, which is different, is the decision of the Abbott government, of the NSC, of which Joe and I actually were both members, um, in 2015 to adopt a continuous shipbuilding program to have a permanent Uh, shipbuilding program that would roll through the decades uh, ahead, um, basically indefinitely, um, so that the industrial base, particularly around Adelaide, would be sustained permanently. We we wouldn't have this, you know, sporadic um, uh, industry which when a particular major construction project reached the end phase uh, and another one was years away, there was the so-called valley of death. What we are doing here, and, and this needs to be offset against sort of simple number, uh, big numbers about costs, is building Australia's industrial base, particularly in South Australia, but also elsewhere, and even more importantly, building our capability, our intellectual capability as a high-tech economy driven in this instance by the defence industry. And that is when you get to the middle uh, term of the life of the project, when the uh, UK-based designs uh, begin to be constructed in Adelaide, that will be an enormous upskilling of the Australian workforce and it will be a huge workforce. Mm. And can we do it, though? That's the big question. Well, that's why there's a big lead in time Mm. because obviously we can't do it from a standing start. But we're talking about this happening more than 10 years away, 10 to 15 years away. Uh, And that is why, by the way, I think this package that Prime Minister Albanese has announced, which meets our initial shorter-term needs by acquiring the Virginia-class submarines um, effectively off the shelf, and then in the the middle and and, and longer outturn of the project, builds our own capability at a time when we are skilled up to do it, is, is a very, very, very good balance. 
So we obviously are now in a situation where there is bipartisanship on AUKUS. Isn't that great? Joe Hockey, well, let's talk about it because it is a big deal. We've got now a Labor Prime Minister. In fact, the press conference is going on right now, standing next to Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak, making this really, really, it's a watershed moment really for our country. And there is bipartisanship. This began by the Morrison government and now being delivered by the Albanese government. How much does that change uh, the optics here and our ability to actually deliver on this, in your view, Joe Hockey? PK, when you're in government, you see things that inevitably the whole community can't see. You get intelligence uh, and receive intelligence and, and analyses that uh, are related to national security that the whole community can't see. Only in government can you truly see the challenge and threats to the nation that would necessitate a decision like this. And so that's why there is bipartisan support. That's why whatever the politics are, they will be overcome because both the opposition and the government know that this is in Australia's best interests. And it is the same in the United Kingdom and the United States. Uh, The people who are involved in leading the nations know that this is in our national interest. I was speaking with George a little bit earlier about Britain in the 1930s uh, when Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin failed to respond to the massive build-up of the military in Germany. And as a result, it gave Germany the comfort that they could just march through Europe without any real threat from any opposition. And compare that uh, or contrast it with the the growth of the Soviet Union where barely a bullet was fired between the Soviet Union and the United States, but they did have an arms race. And at the end of the day, the economics of it destroyed the Soviet Union. We want to be in a position where we are not threatened. We want to be in a position where we can stand up to the bully. And we are doing that. And we're doing it in a bipartisan fashion. And that's, you know, to all those people, naysayers out there that say you can't agree on anything, well, here is a $368 billion piece of proof that the nation comes first. George Brandis, China has said the deal is a serious nuclear proliferation risk. Will we see much pushback on the use of nuclear technology? And does this also escalate potentially the rhetoric we're going to start hearing from China? Well, it's, it is not a nuclear uh, proliferation risk. I mean, one thing the Australian government and, in fact, and specifically the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade uh, looked at very, very carefully uh, is to ensure that there is no dimension of the AUKUS program that violates Australia's NPT obligations under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. And we are absolutely uh, sure that we are not uh, in breach of the NPT. But from a rhetorical point of view, of course China is going to say that because for all the reasons Joe outlined and others as well, China doesn't want to see this because China does not want its challenge met. And ultimately, although this is not just about China, uh, Joe is dead right that um, what has precipitated this is the China challenge, uh, the 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 defiance of public international law, for example, in the South China and the East China Seas, the threat to Taiwan, the attempt to become the Indo-Pacific hegemon. 
China, of course, doesn't want uh, its ambitions challenged. But as upholders of the rules-based international order and the international rule of law, Australia and like-minded countries, including the United States and the United Kingdom, need to do that. Joe Hockey, in order for this to happen, we will need to share a number of sensitive technologies with the US, which requires changes to their domestic laws. We might have to look at changes to ours. Is this going to be the next stage here? This is obviously a huge change to the way we've done military business in the past. It is. You've hit the nail on the head, Patricia. It is a very uh, significant step, which requires the approval of Congress uh, to change the laws relating to ITAR, which is the international, which is the transfer of American technology to another nation. Now, there is almost furious agreement uh, in the US Congress to support changes to that legislation. But in some of the wrong places, there is a more benign attitude. Uh, you know, the Foreign Affairs Committee of the US Congress is where those decisions are made. And whilst the, the, the Defence Committee of the Congress is in furious support of changes. The Foreign Affairs Committee may not be. And so now someone has to draft the changes that are going to make this work. And at the moment, no one is drafting those changes. And that's going to put a lot of, quite a load on the, on the White House. And, uh, but, but I just want to emphasise, we set up the Australia Caucus in Congress when I was ambassador and it had bipartisan leadership in both the House and the Senate. Those people like Congressman Joe Courtney, like Congressman Mike Gallagher, they are leading the charge and have created an AUKUS conference in uh, the US Congress that is going to lead the charge. But there is a lot of work, a lot of work ahead. Yes, a lot of work ahead. certainly is. George Brandis and Joe Hockey, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. George Brandis is former Attorney General and a professor at ANU and, of course, was High Commissioner for Australia to the United Kingdom. Joe Hockey is the former Treasurer and former Ambassador for Australia to the United States uh, and Global President of Bondi Partners. And you're listening to ABC RM Breakfast. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations. Live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.